0: Good morning, let's open to the book of Luke once again, we are now up to chapter 12, going to do a follow-up messages on what we studied last week with the Pharisees, after that episode Jesus is going to turn and warn his disciples against the sin of the Pharisees' hypocrisy. Luke chapter 12, beginning uh, reading in verse 1. In the meantime, when an innumerable multitude of people had gathered together so that they trampled one another, he began to say to his disciples, first of all, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. For there is nothing covered that will not be revealed, nor hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have spoken in the dark will be heard in the light, and what you have spoken in the ear in inner rooms will be proclaimed on the housetops. And I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has power to cast into hell. Yes, I say to you. Fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two copper coins, and not one of them is forgotten before God? But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. Also I say to you, whoever confesses me before man, him the Son of Man also will confess before the angels of God. But he who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. And anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But to him who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven. Now when they bring you to the synagogues and magistrates and authorities, do not worry about how or what you should answer or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Okay, I'm going to call the message this morning, Speaking the Truth. And uh, you remember last week we uh, saw the Pharisees and uh, their hypocrisy, their exterior, their external show of uh, supposed godliness, and Jesus exposed them for what they were, hypocrites. They were sinners like everybody else. And so uh, having confronted them, he now turns to his disciples. We said it in verse 1 that he uh, began to say to his disciples, he's going to teach them a lesson about what they just saw with the Pharisees. And he says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. That word hypocrisy in the original is a very interesting word. It comes from the Greek and Roman dramas. And uh, you've probably seen by now movies or paintings or something. The way they used to do their performances, they had a mask that they'd hold in front of their face, you know. You ever seen that? And so you had no idea what the uh, performer was doing facially because you just saw this mask, and it was either, you know, or... You know, the frown or the smile. We were at the uh, county fair the other day uh, speculating as we saw some of the people dressed up as uh, cartoon characters. And you can't see their faces, you know. They just go around with that big idiotic smile of a cartoon character, you know, speculating what was really going on inside, you know. <clears throat> well, that's what this word uh, comes from. And it's literally, literally wearing a mask. And he says, don't wear a mask. And in particular, he's talking about hiding the truth. You see, the Pharisees hid the truth about themselves by putting on this this, uh, facade, this covering of religion. But like Jesus said, inside there are dead men's bones. Or there are graves that, that men walk over and get unclean and don't even know it. Now, when he talks about us as believers not being hypocrites, he means the same thing, not hiding the truth. But he doesn't mean not hiding the truth about ourselves. He's talking about hiding the truth. Okay? The truth about God, about us, people, judgment. Jesus, hell, which he talks about here. You see, we talked last week about uh, the world squeezing us into its mold. The world doesn't like to hear that stuff, do they? Is that a popular subject, hell, your sin? No. And so the world, just, just like with the Pharisees, is trying to squeeze us into the mold, trying to say, you know, look, be quiet, don't talk about that stuff. The world wears a mask. And it's a mask that says, I'm okay, I'm cool. You know? Sometimes the mask says, look, if there's no God, and if there is one, you don't have to worry about it. This life is what's important. Okay? Is that true? That's all a lie. Okay? But there is pressure on us, isn't there, believers, to put that mask on. Huh? You know? Yeah, this life, this is where it's at. Eternity, ah, don't worry about it. And when you do that as a believer, the world's happy. They accept you. We talked about that last week. That strong desire of every single person to be accepted, not rejected. And too often, we can give in because, like the Pharisees, we want to be accepted too. And so we take up the mask and we smile, you know. <clears throat> this world is where it's at. It's all there is. What's wrong with that? <laughs> it's lying, isn't it? It's hiding the truth. And so Jesus is really encouraging the disciples and us not to give in, not to be like that. Okay? He's, he's saying basically, look, uh, speak the truth. You're not going to be accepted by the world. Plan on that. Just get used to it. But you'll be accepted by me. You'll be pleasing to me. And that's the important thing. Right? So don't be a hypocrite, he says. Don't hide the truth. What does it say in Romans? That the world suppresses the truth. In the picture, as they shove it down, you know, about God, about hell, about Jesus. You know, it's interesting. In my lifetime, there has been an increasing uh, resistance to hearing and talking about Jesus. Do you know that? Back in the 50s, when I was a kid, eh, you know, Jesus, yeah, people go to church, they read their Bible. You talk about Jesus, you could talk about hell. You don't do that anymore. That, that, uh, that mold is, is uh, getting tighter and tighter. <clears throat> so he says, "Beware. He calls it leaven. That's interesting. Leaven is the stuff you know you put in dough, right? to make bread, and it, and it spreads. its effect goes throughout the whole pile of dough. And that's true. If we give in as believers and you know, stop our mouths about talking about Jesus and fit in and get accepted, it spreads. Pretty soon the whole message is watered down. And we end up with this popular message about, you know, look, we don't want Jesus to interfere with your lifestyle. You just go right ahead. You know, there's no hell, no judgment. Everything's fine. So that's what he's talking about here. So in verses 2 and 3... <clears throat> when he says, for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed. He, he's not talking about the, the secret lives of Christians you know, being exposed. He's talking about the truth. The truth is going to come out. God's going to see to that. Everybody's going to find out one day what the truth is. For example, the truth about Jesus. Do you know who Jesus is? He's king of kings and lord of lords. He is. Now, is that pretty much recognized in the world right now? Is that a popular message? No, it's suppressed. It's held up. Is it the truth? Yes. Then don't be afraid to say so. Because, look, one of these days, and I think it's very soon, by the way, he is going to be recognized as who he is forever. That's going to be the reality forever. And it's not going to change. Now, I don't know about you, but I think I would much rather be able, at that time, when uh, confronting my friends and neighbors, not have them come up and be shocked and say, man, I didn't know Jesus was who he is. Why didn't you tell me? I'd rather have it that I have a clear conscience and told them so that when it happens, there's no surprise. It's up to them to choose. But at least I have the conscience of having said something and not been a hypocrite. You agree with that? Surprise birthday parties are great. Okay? You know? Surprises at the judgment of God is the worst kind of surprise you can have. So that's why we need to speak now. What does it say? In Revelation, uh, it says, every eye shall see him. You're okay? Every eye. That means everybody here, everybody in the world, everyone that's ever lived is going to see Jesus Christ in his glory It's not going to be a secret anymore. It's not going to be hidden. It's going to be revealed. What's the name of the last book of the Bible? Yeah, Revelation, by the way, not Revelations. Have you ever heard that? The Revelation. You know what the full title is? The Revelation of who? Jesus Christ. Yeah. I'll I'll tell you, if there's one thing that has to happen, it's the Revelation of who Jesus Christ is. It has to. And God said that it will. It's interesting to me that every time he talks about people seeing Jesus for who he is, he uses the word every. Every eye shall see him. Um, Every tongue shall confess. He goes through the anatomy. You know, eyes. Every tongue will confess. Every single person is going to say, Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, most of the people that are going to be saying that do not have Jesus Christ as their Lord. But they're going to they're say it anyway. And then it says, every knee is going to bow. I'd kneel for you, but I'm too old now. Okay? You get the idea. Every knee is going to bow and acknowledge Him. It's not going to be hidden, you understand? It's going to be revealed. Once and for all. And it's never going to change. So let's not pretend right now like that's not coming. Because it is. He's at the door right now. As it says in the Gospels. Everything will be revealed. All the stuff that people don't like to hear about right now. Sin, hell, salvation, judgment. It's going to happen. For reals. The great white throne. What does it say? I saw the dead, the small and the great, standing before the throne. The big celebs, you know, the celebrities, the rock stars, the sports stars, movie stars, rich people, kings, all on level ground, standing at the foot of the throne where Jesus is king of kings and lord of lords, facing his judgment. By the way, the basis for all of this is this book. This is what makes you different from everybody else. This book. If you're a Christian, you believe this thing. Okay? I couldn't know this stuff I'm talking about right now if it weren't for this book. We wouldn't be here. Okay? This is not a feel-better-about-yourself seminar that I kind of make up out of my head. It's coming from this book. Do you believe this book? If we believe it, then we should be talking about it. And it says a lot of stuff that you're not going to know unless God had told us. And in particular, the stuff we're talking about right now. And Jesus says, don't be a hypocrite. Don't let the world squeeze you into its mold and and silence you. Speak out. You're the only one that can. of all people, we as Christians, with God's word, can tell it like it really is. Think about that. You know, there's not many of us around. That's a pretty rare uh, opportunity. We can remove the veil, the blindness, and expose the lies about God, about man, about sin, about hell, and where the world is heading. Okay, <clears throat> Jesus says here that uh, there's nothing covered that will not be revealed. And it's not just um, sin, judgment, hell. There is so much that God is going to re- be, uh, reveal that hasn't been seen yet besides that. And as I was thinking about this, <clears throat> nobody... Uh, can have cooler secrets than God. For example, <clears throat> what, what do they say when you're watching a serial or something? Our story so far. What's our story so far? Think about it. For, th- for literally thousands of years, God said that there was someone that was going to come. and Nobody knew who he was. He was going to come for this little dinky nation of Israel. And it looked like <clears throat> he was going to be their king. And that's it. <clears throat> that doesn't sound very exciting to me. I'm not a Jew. Do you understand? I mean, that that's what the, the uh, thing that God said was going to happen. How, what did it turn out to be? Was it a little bit better than that? <clears throat> This wasn't just some guy, it was God in the flesh. He became a man. He didn't just come to the nation of Israel, he came for the whole world. Everybody. Praise God, that included me. And in 1972, I could turn to this one that was promised and be saved from my sin, because that's what he came for at that time not to rule over Israel but to save me and anybody that was willing from their sin. Is that a little bit better? Is that incredible or what? So we've already seen one promise of God, one hidden thing revealed and what it really turned out to be. And it's incredible. What do you think it's going to be like when the rest of the stuff is revealed? I'll tell you. That's why it says in 1 Corinthians, I has not seen, nor has ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those that love him. You, you just, I'm sorry. You can't imagine, that's what he's saying, what it's going to be like. I can't wait. <clears throat> I remember when I was a kid, I used to watch this uh, show sometimes on TV called Let's Make a Deal. Now, I, is that show still around? Okay, do they, do they still um, kind of build up the anticipation, you know, where there's something behind a curtain and everybody's there, you know, take the curtain, take the box and all. Is that the way they still do it? Okay. I, the thing that stuck with me most, I remember seeing that thing, was when they finally pull back the curtain and they reveal what was hidden, And you go, oh, wow, you know. uh, Cookware, Hawaii vacations, cars. I don't know what they do nowadays. But I just remember thinking, man, that was so cool when they pulled the curtain back and you saw all this stuff, you know. I'll tell you, that's nothing compared to when the Lord reveals all the stuff that's been hit. You you can't imagine how great it's going to be. What does it say in Ephesians? That in the ages to come, this is for believers now, He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Wow. That's what it's going to be like. No wonder... Uh, Paul wrote, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. Did you get that? What did it say at the end? The revealing of something else. Of us. Did Did you get that? Right now, as as it says in the Bible, Christians are the scum of the earth. They're looked down on. They're rejected. And even more so in this country in the last 50 years. Real Christians. And there's going to come a time, in fact, it's when Jesus comes back, because we're going to come with him, that true believers are going to be shown to be children of God in glory. And people are going to see it. That's one of the things God is going to reveal. That real believers really have been different, and they really do know God. Going to be a lot of revealing in that day. I'll tell you, if we could experience all of the blessings... Uh, For example, a new body. Man, I could go for one right now. I just played baseball with my sons yesterday. New body, just one of them, and your inheritance. No more pain, no more sorrow, no more death. If we could just experience it right now for a day, you think you'd be a changed person when you came back? You think you'd want to come back? No. But we don't have it yet. But listen, there is nothing more sure in the world than the believer's future hope. Okay? Amen? Amen. Now, we don't have it yet. God's patient, all right? Peter says, Count the, the long suffering of the Lord as salvation. Why? Because as long as he waits, one more person can be saved. And that's what he prefers. But to tide us over, so to speak, we have. Tons of descriptions and promises here describing what it's going to be like. Okay? And that's the way he wants it. He wants us right now just to take his word for it. Hang in there. It's coming. And in the meantime, don't be hypocrites. Speak up. Talk about God. Talk about Jesus, sin, judgment, hell, salvation. Until that time, when it's all going to be revealed. If if we experience for a day what, what is coming for us, we wouldn't need verses like this. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Paul is encouraging, he said, look, don't don't get focused on the world and the lies and the facade that's going on here about uh, what's not really true. Focus on heaven. Focus on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. If you could spend a day in heaven, you wouldn't have to be reminded, I promise you. Peter says, we have been given exceedingly great and precious promises. And that's what God has given us to tide us over. You know, Jesus is the only one that saw things so clearly. He knew what was true. He knew the lies of the world. Listen to what he said in um, John when he was talking to Nicodemus, the Pharisee who came to him at night. Listen, Jesus says, if I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven but he who came down from heaven. Who is he talking about? Himself. You understand? No one is ascended to heaven but he who came down from heaven. That is the son of man who, listen, who is in heaven. Does that blow your mind? He says, I'm in heaven right now. But he's standing there before Nicodemus. How can he be that? He's God. But the point is, Jesus is saying, look, I can talk to you about heaven. I know what it's like. I've been there. And that's putting it mildly. He owns it. He lives there. And so Jesus wasn't caught up in the things of the world, you see. He never wore a mask. He knew the way things really are. He's God. And He's encouraging us here in Luke 12 to take off the mask and live in reality the way things really are. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't pretend like the world that the judge is coming. You know, the old joke they used to do. It's not funny. Judgment is coming. The Bible says that. I love this. In verse 4, he says, and I say to you, my friends. That's cool. He doesn't say that very often. He calls them and us his friends. You see, we're in the same boat together in a sense. He, by the way, was he ever faithful in speaking the truth? Was Jesus a hypocrite? Look, he's talking about hell right here. He spoke about hell more than anybody else in the Bible. And he looks upon him and he says, look, I can relate. I know where you're coming from, my friends. Let me encourage you. And then he says, don't be afraid of those who kill the body and after that, that have no more that they can do. That's people. He says, what... He, I'm glad he did this. He took it to the worst case. What's the worst thing that can happen if you talk about Jesus and hell and people don't like it? What's the worst thing? They could kill you. That's happened. People have died for doing that. Okay? You know what Jesus says? He says, Don't worry about it. That's no big deal. When you die, you go to be with the Lord. He says, The thing that's important is the one in verse 5 who, after he is killed, has power to cast into hell. He says, that's the one to fear. You see, everybody's going to die physically. And some, in fact, most, Jesus said, are going to go to this place called hell. Literally, he says, cast, thrown into uh, hell, which matches Revelation 20. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown, cast into the lake of fire. Boy, does this ever shoot down uh, the, the mask of the world, you know? The world, what, boy, it's an old expression now, but they used to say, you only go around once in life, you know? So you got to grab for all the gusto you can get. That's a half-truth, by the way. That's, that's often the way it is with the world. It's ha- you only go around once in life, that's correct. There's no such thing as reincarnation. Okay, that's right. But the second half, you got to grab for all the gusto. In other words, the pleasure you can get. That's the lie. You only go around once in life, believer. So therefore, spend as much of it as you can pleasing the Lord. That's the way it should go. And so Jesus says, look, don't be afraid of people who, the worst they can do is kill you and send you to heaven. And by the way, now, when he's, he's talking to the disciples here, he's talking to believers, when he says, uh, fear him, he doesn't, he's not saying, be afraid now because your father might throw you into hell. He, he, the fear here is a, a reverence and an awe. He says, fear the one who has the power to cast into hell. Look, the point is, God, if you're a believer, he's your father. But listen, he's the same God that was on the uh, mountain that burned like a furnace. Back in Exodus with Moses, right? Has he changed? That's the Old Testament God, and now we have a New Testament God for our father, right? No, he's the same God. And we need to have a healthy respect for who he is. And that's what Jesus is saying. We're so awed by people. And he's saying, no, be awed by God, the true and living God. This is very unusual, the way Jesus says it. He says, I say to you, this is for emphasis. He doesn't usually talk this way. I say to you, and then he repeats himself, fear him. So be moved by seeking his approval, pleasing him, speaking the things he wants to hear. That's what Jesus is saying. By the way, right now he's talking to his disciples aside from the crowd. But um, if he were to talk like this in front of the crowd, that would not be popular. He's talking about hell, he's talking about judgment. Jesus is setting an example. <laughs> For you and me. Uh, we'll jump ahead to 11 and 12 and then come back again. But 11 and 12 tie in at this point. He says, when they bring you to the synagogues and magistrates and authorities, do not worry about how or what you should answer or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. He's answering the disciples' questions before they ask it. You know, obviously they're sitting there thinking, oh man, okay, If if I go around talking like Jesus about where people are going and the judgment of God and hell and that kind of stuff, I might get arrested. What happens then when I stand in front of all these lawyers and experts and and judges and so on? And Jesus then tells us one of the perks of being a Christian. In the Bible, we would call them benefits or blessings. The world's phrase is a perk. And the perk here is that if you're put in that position, Jesus promises you, don't worry about it. You'll know what to say. The Holy Spirit will teach you. Notice it says, in that very hour. Isn't that cool? And that's not just uh, words. That's happened through the centuries. We see it in the beginning of the book of Acts with Peter brought before the same guys that scared him to death on the night of Jesus' arrest. And the Holy Spirit gives them words to speak. They're incredible. Later, Paul, in his uh, defense of the gospel. And so it's been through the centuries for believers that are arrested for their faith. God is faithful. Okay, back to verse 6. Jesus continues to encourage us as believers in stepping out in faith like this and talking openly about the truth He reminds us in 6 and 7 how much God cares for us. I love this. And listen to how he says it. Are not five sparrows sold for two copper coins? I guess that'd be like pennies, okay? They're pretty cheap. And not one of them is forgotten before God. Okay? You got that? Sparrows, cheap birds. Even today, they're, they're kind of everywhere, right? You know, people don't go out bird watching and go, wow, a sparrow, you know. They're kind of ordinary. That's why he picked that. But to God, every one of them is known. And though you may not know it when some little sparrow drops keels over off a tree and drops dead, God knows it, and he cares. That's what Jesus is saying. Now that you have understand that, he then says, but as far as you go, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Wow. I've got a lot less than I used to have. I'm sure everybody's done this. You comb your hair, and there's a few hairs in there. God knows what number they are. Each of them has a number. Either Jesus is lying, or those hairs have a number. So which is it? They're numbered. That's incredible. I mean, I just go, you know, and dump them. Man, Is that encouraging or what? That's how God cares for us. The hairs on our head are numbered. So, obvious statement, do not fear, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. Boy, is that ever an understatement. Jesus didn't die for sparrows. He died for you. By the way, I don't know if you've picked up on it, but... uh, At first glance, Jesus is contradicting himself here. Did you you notice that? First he says, fear. It's a command. And then he says, don't fear. What's going on? It's not a contradiction. The first time he said, fear him. And we explained what that meant. As believers, we should respect and honor and recognize who God is. He's awesome. He's the one that can cast into hell. He still is. Okay? But that's not fear like, oh, no, I hope he doesn't throw me there. Look, if you're a Christian, that, that sin question, it's settled. It's gone forever. Praise God because of Jesus. It's a non-issue. Okay? But now he's talking about fear of what people can do to me. He said, don't, don't be afraid that way. Because God loves you so much that he has every hair on your head numbered, one to n. Don't fear the future. Don't fear what, what uh, people can do to you. Your final eternal destination is already determined. And nothing can change that. And it's to be with the Lord forever. Okay? Is that a good reason not to fear Yeah? Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Now, if you can think of something that that list doesn't include, let me know. Okay? Okay? And then finally, we'll look at 8 and 9. Jesus says, Also I say to you, whoever confesses me before men, him the Son of Man also will confess before the angels of God. But he who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. Does that sound fair? Does that sound fair to you? You know, if I'm ashamed, elsewhere he says in, uh, in Mark, he says, um, Whoever is ashamed of me, in my words, in this adulterous and sinful generation of him, the Son of Man, also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the Holy Angel. That that sounds fair to me. Don't you think so? If I'm ashamed of Jesus, if if I'm kind of embarrassed, you know, to be associated with him, I think it's only right that he feel that way toward me. Can you imagine being ashamed of Jesus? Kind of embarrassed, you know, I well, you know, the world says, look, don't talk about Jesus. Yeah, I, I, you're right. I, I'm kind of embarrassed. I don't want to talk about him. Wow. He says, if you deny me, I'll deny you before the angels of God. He's painting the picture of that day when many are going to say, Lord, Lord. What, can you imagine what it would be like to be one of those people? to think you're okay all the way up until the day you die. And then you face God at judgment and you say, Lord, Lord, I'm one of yours. And he says, I never knew you. Man. That's the kind of surprise you don't want. If you're not sure of your relationship with Jesus Christ, now's the time to take care of it. It'll be too late then. But what joy, I'll tell you, man. What joy to hear, yeah, he, she is one of mine. Are you going to hear that? Are you ashamed of Jesus? There's a hymn. We don't have an our hymn, no. I'll just, I'll just read it. Jesus... And shall it ever be a mortal man ashamed of thee? Ashamed of thee. Whom angels praise. Whose glory shine through endless days. Ashamed of Jesus. Sooner far let evening blush to own a star. He sheds the beams of light divine o'er this benighted soul of mine. Ashamed of Jesus. That, dear friend, on whom my hopes of heaven depend? No. When I blush, be this my shame, that I no more revere his name. Ashamed of Jesus. Yes, I may, when I've no guilt to wash away, no tear to wipe, No good to crave. No fears to quell. No soul to save. Ashamed of Jesus, I never, I never will be. For Jesus, my Savior, is not ashamed of me. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we wonder... As it says in the scripture, rhetorically, who are we that you're mindful of us, that you even think about us? Much less that you would die for us. But we know it's true. You've gone to the cross, you've risen again, and you're coming back, and you're coming for us. And you're not ashamed about it. Lord, how happy we are. We pray that in this short duration we have here on this scene, that we'd redeem the time not be ashamed of you, but boast of you in your cross, brag about you, talk it up, tell others, until that day when we see you face to face, and Lord, we'll be more than happy with just those simple words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Help us, we pray, in your precious name, amen.